0: My name is Natasha Elkington, and I'll be your moderator for this session. So for today's discussion, I have two very interesting experts from here in Kenya, where we are live-streaming from the World Agroforestry Center. Joining us, we have Dr. Elijah Kadurima Gishuru, and we have Anne Fidelis Itubo. And I'll let them introduce themselves, and then we'll go into straight into our discussion. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Natasha. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for the organizers for this opportunity to interact with the world and the landscapes, and my favorite land, uh, value chain, that's coffee. I'm Elijah I work with the Coffee Research Institute, which is one of the institutes under Kenya Agricultural and Livestock Research Organization. I've been there close to that years now. I've seen how coffee was. I hope I can dream of how it will be, and maybe it will be like that. Um, what I would like to say is that uh, there are many challenges, but challenges are what keep us moving on, and we are ready to move on with the challenges and solve one at a time. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. Over to you, Anne. Uh,
2: Thank you very much. I'd like to thank everybody for the invitation, the World Bank. Uh, my name is Anne Fidelisitubo. Situbo. I work for Kenya Forest Service as a senior conservator of forest, and uh, I am a participatory forest management uh, expert dealing with the communities and stakeholder engagement. Thank you.
0: Thank you. I guess, Anne, while we still have you on the mic, why don't we just talk about maybe give us a brief summary of the state of our forests here in Kenya?
2: Thank you very much. Uh, I would wish to first uh, mention that uh, Kenya. 80 percent of, 75 uh, percent of Kenya is a dry land. And 15 uh, percent is a high potential forest. And there are 2.5 million hectares of forest in Kenya. And uh, out of the 2.5 million, that's public forests that are under the jurisdiction of the national government. And 1.7 million hectares of forests are under the community forests which are under the county government's jurisdiction. That is 47 counties. And these forests are actually the livelihood of the people of Kenya and the forest adjacent communities, which are, they are quite dependable on. And the forests that we have are indigenous forests, the plantation forest that is 140 hectares that are used for purposes of uh, utilization and timber indigenous forests are for conservation and wildlife management and there's a dryland forest area that is uh, extremely dry that is ut- used, utilized for non timber forest products and also they are utilized for uh, biomass production
0: Thank you. So what are the main challenges that we're facing at the moment um, with our forests here in Kenya?
2: The forest landscape, uh, majorly, is under pressure. And the pressure is from the forest adjacent communities and high demand of timber. And also climate change is affecting the forests and majorly forest fires during the dry seasons. And the rains have also Uh, the the trends of rents have also reduced. So you find that uh, the dependency of forests by the local or forest adjacent community is high for purposes of uh, uh, looking for income. So this puts pressure in illegal logging and maybe charcoal charcoal production. And uh, it has pushed the stakeholders and the communities and the government to look at outside the forest for private sector involvement, for purposes of enhancing the conservation. And this has, the government has an agenda to plant 15 billion trees by the year 2032 to increase the tree cover by 30%. And the involvement of the private sector is very, very critical to achieve this vision. And uh, Politically, the political discourse and uh, the narrative in the country now is all people should be able to save the the, the forest and enhance the ecological integrity of the forest.
0: That's great news. I mean, because currently, if we look at Nairobi, and we're, with the development that's going really fast, I, we wonder how much thinking there is there to preserve what we already have. Do you have any comment on that?
2: Yes, please. Uh, Nairobi is a unique city. You can see that Nairobi is a city that is engulfed between a natural forest, that is Karura, just next to uh, to this tent, and it's also having a national park. But when you look at Nairobi, we have green spaces. As a Kenya Forest Service and the stakeholder involvement, we are encouraging adapter forest. An adapter forest initiative is uh, a private sector private individuals adapt a forest area for purposes of greening it. So within the city we have green spaces, we have the Ngong Forest, uh, we have the Ngong Road Forest, we have the Arboretum, we have the City Park, and we have the Karura Forest. But we are also moving towards urban forestry to be able to create more parks and plant more trees within the alleys and and uh, restore the river rains that are within the city. Yeah.
0: So we have a bright future. There
2: is a bright future. Okay. There is a livable future within the, the urban cities that we are looking forward to breathe clean air because these forests are going to assist us to ameliorate the climate. Yeah.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you. So over to you, Elijah. We <laughs> have forgotten about you. Thank you for being patient. Um, maybe tell us about the coffee production, the situation right now in, in Kenya that we're facing, just to give us a summary, our background on what's the current state of affairs. <laughs>
1: okay. okay. Thank you very much for that. Um, coffee has been around since 1908. Uh, when it came from the coast region, it is settled around this region. And during that time, there was expansion of coffee production. On the slopes of Avadias, that's where we are. So, if you came during the 1930s, 40s, this was a coffee zone. All these markets and estates were coffee zones. Any water body you see around the was for irrigating water. But the town has expanded. Uh, even where my station is, which is uh, about 40 kilometers north of this place, is now like within town, and the town has joined the smaller towns in the suburbs. So we have the metropolitan. So what I'm saying is uh, the coffee migration is something that is life and continuous. And when it migrates, where it goes may not be the suitable place in terms of uh, soils, um, the people, you know, you have to train them again and the infrastructure. So you have to migrate again the whole industry to that place. And that's what's happening even to today. Mm -hmm. And we are moving from the main coffee zone to the green baskets, that's the west of Rift Valley, and we see the future of expansion being in that area, and some other pockets in the rather dry uh, counties like we have in Narok and and so on. So when we were producing intensively coffee within the main coffee zone, this part was for lunch exits, which constitute about that to 40%. Uh, it's variable in terms of production, and the cooperative sector, which now is formed by the small scale farmers. Uh, We were producing up to about 120,000 metric tons around 1987, but due to many things, currently we are at 40 to 50,000 metric tons of clean coffee. Mm. Now our vision is to increase that Mm -hmm. at least to 100 in the next um, uh, five years. So we hope we'll be able to do that by intensification and expansion. So that's now what uh, the agenda is, and it is a collaborative uh, effort between the county government, national government, private sector, because uh, coffee is a private crop, so to speak, and then uh, the entrepreneurs who are coming to coffee. We will drive it by working in the farms and also having the pool factors in the market, including coffee consumption.
0: Thank you. you. So then what are you doing about um, land degradation, like soil? In terms of coffee production, so what are we thinking about in terms of looking after soil and?
1: Yes, uh, coffee is a permanent crop, and the way we are producing it is a open, sand crop, mm-hmm. monocrop. Uh, so you keep on mining, replacing with organic fertilisers the nutrients, and that has led to the areas which were farmed before to have very lean soils, mm. acidity. Um, Organic matter is not there and productivity has also gone down, plus also accumulation of pests and diseases, especially the root loss and so on. These factors now are the ones that we need to manage, and one of them is soil and water uh, conservation, uh, both for irrigation and processing, Mm -hmm. so that uh, as the rivers become streams, we don't go to the dry whatever is there and make it a dry riverbed. Mm -hmm. So we are using less and less water, so the technology of fully washed coffee is going to partial washing um, or dry processing, which now has to be linked to a different market in terms of the zone, engine group, um, the taste, the way of preparations, and so on and so forth. So we are looking at the value chain in terms of research and technology development to solve all the issues that are coming from uh, from the farm up to the consumption level. Okay. What the consumers uh, may not like, then get it off underline, including the pest residues. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of uh, issues in terms of research at every node of the value chain, but the institution is a whole value chain um, accommodative so that uh, we don't have a gap of what we say, we leave it to somebody else. The Coffee Research Institute starts with the seed, ends up with the sip. and the joy of a nice cup of
0: coffee. Great. So in terms of looking at the current state of the situation and then um, looking forward, how how do you foresee how we're going to look in the future in terms of even facing climate change and all the issues coming, rainfall, in terms of coffee production, even though you want to increase? I mean, it's challenging, no?
1: Yes. And that brings the question of profitability and sustainability. Mm. So we have observed a lot of issues to do with climate change. Right now, we are harvesting coffee and processing, which is not normal. Mm -hmm. Normal is that the rains will come at the middle of this month or this week to next week. Then we start even harvesting and delivery in November up to February. Mm -hmm. But it started early because there were off seasons around um, January, February, which led to a different union stage of flowering. Now the climate change people would look at temperature and rainfall. So when you look at the value chain, then it is everything along the value chain. You get coffee at the wrong time. You have to operate in small beds for a very long time. Sometimes the climate change leads to more uniform flowering, so more uniform harvesting, so you are over loaded at the processing stage all these challenges we look at them maybe the happiest person will be the coffee consumer because there will be this supply of fresh coffee continuously to the market and things like that but it may be more costly to produce so we are looking at the production like I said we are no longer emphasizing on open monocrop we are introducing um, cover crops at the ground level for soil and water management. So we have to investigate, investigate which ones are suitable and what else can they do to the farmer in terms of food security, nutrition, or cash income. You may have fodder there and have a, a dairy goat, which improves a lot of things around the home. And that makes even the uh, coffee become more sustainable. Then we have shade crops, which could be trees for timber, fodder, or firewood or anything else, and also fruit trees. Mm -hmm. So we are looking at a place where we look at the coffee farm and make it more profitable in totality and sustainable in terms of what it produces in totality so that then we can have a more sustainable economy and environment, including the ecological services, introduce, for example, bees around the farm, uh, so that you have an income or nutrition and then you have better pollination and so on and so forth. And this how we are now migrating, we are not migrating and copying what we are experiencing but adapting to what is there and what we are doing we expect in future. Then you come to pests and diseases. Mm-hmm because they also now become another problem. They come off the season, you don't know when to manage them, what to do. And we are looking at the systems which can work on their own. And the first one is plant breeding, so that we have resistance. So whenever the disease or the pest comes, the resistance is there, irrespective of those off-season issues. And then organic uh, farming and pest management. Uh, you can have biological control mechanisms, you can have a cropping system mechanism, cultural mechanisms, and that's what we are in building more and more into a production system. The other thing to look at is uh, the demand by the customer so that you answer to those who like a nice environment, singing, bands, coffee, and you use that for marketing, uh, certification, rainforest, and so on, uh, as well as, uh, you know, organic products with less of the uh, organic or, um, you know, the, the modern kind of nutrition first management parameters, yes. so that we go back to our manures, maluching, um, and so on and so forth.
0: Thank you. because I was going to say, yes. do, do you work together? Because, you know, if we look after our forests, we have rain, right? And that's like solving a lot of these coffee issues. So do, do your sectors cross each other? Do you Are you working together, or are we still we'll let Anne answer. Yeah. yeah. We'll give Anne the stage for yeah. a while. Yeah. 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 thank yeah. you Which very much. Sorry. Thank you,
2: Natasha. Yes, we work within the same landscape under the follow of Kenya. We are actually the co-implementers. Right. And the landscape where we are is a Mount Elgon landscape. Mm-hmm. And uh, you find that uh, for the coffee arabica to to flourish because it is in the in, it is in the bottom of the mountain. Mm-hmm. You find that the conservation of the forest is critical to ameliorate the climate and the rainfall for the coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have an integrated approach within the uh, integrated landscape. Uh, land, uh, approach within the landscape that uh, all the stakeholders are critical for purposes of uh, enhancing the landscape. So we work together Within the follower yeah.
1: Kenya. Yeah. Yes, maybe I can add just something. Yes. Yes, yes, we are there uh, uh, together, not just by sitting next, but also working together. When we introduce a plant, mm-hmm. then she can advise me what is suitable in an area. And I can count them by what is suitable in coffee farm and what are the uses of these trees. So we are bound to work together as in in disciplines, two disciplines. Coffee is naturally a forest tree, Mm -hmm. Uh, so then it thrives in a way under some shade, but we only moderate the kind of shade and how much of shade, and then the nutrition also, and the uh, underground competition issues. Then there is another perspective we have world uh, genotypes of coffee right. in Kenya yes. in the forest yes. so then we coffee. have to we have many things to learn together and work together thank
0: you Great. and i think on that note maybe we go to the communities uh, and and uh, yeah, our local communities and women and youth uh, bringing them uh, as part of the program so what work are you doing like on the ground and to include um, you know the, these people women, youth. Thank you very much. Uh,
2: Within the participatory forest uh, management space, uh, we work with community forest associations. These are communities that uh, we have legal binding agreements with to access user rights in the forest. And we are very key and keen to see the participation of women and youth because when you see the current uh, disp- agenda for the government. It's a bottom-up uh, transformation agenda and we are looking at critically how are women involved in terms of conservation and what benefits are they accruing? How are youth involved? Because they are the pillar, the women are the pillar of the community. So we, uh, we do a lot of uh, microfinancing to the women and contractual agreements to the community associations when they're doing tree nurseries or conservation. We encourage to engage them in subcontracting of activities that they can be able to derive benefits directly. So you find that uh, within the rural setup, because most of the forest areas are in the rural setup, but we're also encouraging the urban. Because within the urban areas, we also have the urban poor. We have the women within the urban areas to be able to come up with the tree nurseries. If you walk into Karura forest, you'll uh, find a very big nursery there. And you find that there's a lot of participation. For those who have walked inside, there's a lot of women participation. And in most tree nurseries, women are the workers. And also in the small and medium term enterprises within the community, you find that a lot of women are engaging. So with the bottom-up transformation agenda, you find that there's a lot of employment that is created within the landscape. And uh, we encourage our youth, we encourage our women. We also get to schools and and, and, uh, try to nurture young school children Within even uh, within other institutions, we 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 emphasize on uh, on the uh, on the, the issue of women involvement and in youth. Yeah.
0: Great, because I was going to share a story. Like I went to Kakabega Forest uh, a few months ago. It was my first time, <clears throat> and it took me a long time to find it. Yeah. <laughs> it's huge, right? Like, and we couldn't find it because no one knew where it was and how to enter. And I found that. A lot of people, like we were staying in an Airbnb, and I was a professor. He used to teach, and he was 70 years old, and he'd never stepped foot in the forest. So I feel like every county should have, like, you know, once you graduate from school, like, your gift is like you go to the forest, you go to whatever natural resource, so you, you can become part of it, you know, connect with it. So it, you see, there's a disconnect. Like, everyone living in Kakamega, most of them have never been to the forest. That's true, you know? So it's just something very simple that we don't even have to go to schools encouraging them, we just take them there. Let yeah. them, you know, and then they know what the forest is about. Yeah. You know, some, some problems are very simple solutions. You know, then we try and be bureaucratic. But really, in the whole Omega, even the 70-year-old man had never been to the forest. You know? So, <laughs> I'm just sharing that with you, okay? Um, and then maybe with coffee production, maybe you can tell us more about your work with like indigenous communities, uh, local communities, and women and youth, in terms of involve them in coffee production.
1: Yes, uh, that's quite a, a mouthy one. <laughs> but um, we look at the different stages uh, or the nodes of the coffee value chain and who is interested to do what and why and what are the challenges. Because, for example, if you look at we, women, meaning the female gender, the youth are there very active. But at the point of restaurant, you know, hospitality, ship and they drive also the consumption at that level. So that we don't drink the big mug of black coffee, we have now different types of uh, coffee consumption, including the sweets and so on and so forth. So that's a node where they are actually dominant, the youth and women. Uh, for men are more in ownership uh, of the land, not necessarily even working. Then we have mothers. Mothers have their challenge; they are working on the coffee farm, You call for a meeting, for a training like this, you have to adjust the time of reporting, and break for them, and the time of departing so that they can take care of the household again. So we look at the challenges and then um, we turn around our programs, our varieties, everything to suit them. You'll be surprised when we released our variety, which is a bit short, the dwarf one, Royal Mm 11. It was more liked by ladies, because uh, it doesn't uh, compete with domestic water because it's spray less. It is a shorter one, so it's easier to deal with. Uh, and the, because you're not spraying, you can integrate a bit of vegetables around there. So it was also suitable for kitchen gardening and urban gardening, you know, just around the fence and things like that. And we, we took chance of that to introduce, you know, like uh, domestic coffee consumption there. And the first women in coffee association members Shared some trees to plant for that purpose, 20 trees per one. So we look at that and then look at socioeconomics. But some didn't like it because you take 10 years before you cut it and When you cut, you get firewood, you get building uh, sticks, you know, fencing, and so on. So now some still prefer the bigger one, which you have more frequently. So that was a social dynamic, and uh, we addressed uh, both of that. Then when when, when you look at, um, uh, for example, land ownership, which has been a main limitation, now we have a law that also encourages inheritance even by the women, daughters, and so on and so forth. And we encourage also the cultures to pick it up so that even without owning the land, the soil, so to speak, can you divide your uh, coffee amongst your children, both of them, because you'll see a father giving to sons but not giving to daughters. And when you are now integrated like that, then you'll have the women coming as a purpose for owning and decision-making and oversighting. of the the industry. And that's also being picked up uh, in different zones at different uh, paces. Then the next thing is the payments. How much? How frequent? And that's where the youth now may not be, uh, they may be willing to wait for the payments to come, but what do they do meanwhile, unless you have a cow, chicken, maize, um, uh, tea and so on but so you, that makes a challenge even to the other coffee farmers what do you do as you wait so the, uh, the youth want to run very fast, get the money every month, coffee does not do that. and then they may go for another crop or enterprise where you get your money more frequently, so when we are looking at the national level that's where you came with the cherry advance and the issues like that which can give you money um, more frequently. But they are very active when it is the most competitive crop, where um, the payments are very high, like in the central... Uh, region that's we within the Mount Kenya region of uh, the or the former Central Province and the uh, Eastern Province, um, uh, and also in the West, the youth are coming very strongly. Um, they start their business from the production of seedlings, which is a good enterprise. Then they plant. Now they are going to value addition, and we are happy with the financing systems also responding to the coffee industry. Then it's able to facilitate the youth to start manage and uh, ultimately add value to your coffee, mm-hmm. uh, so the value chain then can be financed. You know before, you will only, only be financed if you have the crop, right. depending on your last year's right. harvest. Right. So uh, this time, you can be financed to start, to get machinery, to get uh, coffee-making machines, that start in Duka, coffee dukas by either commodities fund um, or um, uh, like a new KPCU. Um, then we give the technical um, uh, advisory mm-hmm. while the coffee directory gives the regulatory kind of framework which supports that. Uh, and we, the, the, the thing is now we have to start early to get them into the coffee. And we are focusing our efforts in learning and training institutions, including coffee clubs even at uh, primary, now in junior, secondary and so on, so that they can start learning and liking coffee as they move um, into the adulthood, and then they can um, um, become entrepreneurs in the value chain. Right, yes. exactly. because I
0: was going to say something about packaging, you know, like if we, in the meantime, they can come out with, you know, like if a river's forest um, waste yeah. is there, like banana, what you know, to, to get away from plastic, so we can, even the end result... You know, it's from the value chain even to the consumer, we have very little imprint. Yes. So you know, in the meantime, they can come up with good ideas how to package, no? Sure, sure. sure. So yeah, yes, or different yes. products to use yes. coffee with. Yes, yes. I mean, it's been a very interesting discussion. I think we can carry on for you know a while um, in detail. But I think um, Anne, maybe I'll hand over to you. Maybe you can share your final remarks or anything that you think is important because we have a very wide audience that's you know global because it's live streamed all over the world. So what do you think is important for you know our audience to know about forests or whatever you, you think is... You
2: yeah, know, thank you very much. Uh, when I read here, we talk about landscapes for a livable planet. And uh, when we look at value chains, when you talk about women and youth, the most critical part of the tree value chain is the willingness to pay. The, commu- the youth can produce seedlings the women can produce seedlings or the products they're producing, but are we willing to pay, you know? So the entry to this is to look at the approach on where we can engage them on binding contracts and not just the production, and there's no market to the products they are, they are looking at. And also the aspect of productivity comes back to issues of food security. And when we look at our soils, Soil has been talked a lot, and the productivity in the forest is natural. But are we introducing the fertilizers and other additives to the forest, or within the landscape, or within the, water, the forest watershed, that can affect food production and harm us and the planet? So, to me, looking at the broader the soil policies for each, so most countries don't have soil policy they look at it as agricultural policy but soil should be isolated to be able to look to be looked at it at a more broader way because it is a factor of production for the food thank you
0: thank you very much actually I met someone very interesting who talked about using insect waste fracas yeah, yeah you connected okay great yeah very interesting yeah okay <laughs> Just in case. Uh, Okay, Elijah, thank you very much. I guess we'll hand over to you. Any final remarks or what do you think is important you want to share with our audience about coffee production or landscapes or our environment or anything that you would like to share that's important to end our...
1: Yes, uh, thank you. Um, The challenge would be can we reverse what we have destroyed, wronged and so on And there are two things we have done, which is cutting down um, trees, uh, changing the landscapes in many ways, including riverine uh, areas, wetlands, uh, ecosystem services, you know, all those pollinators with the wildlife around there, in terms of diversity. So uh, my thought is uh, what we need to do to go back to where we were, or even better. Uh, I've made an observation, or you can always see, when people go to a certain place and they just plant trees around um, the borders, you look from above, it looks like a, a forest. But then it is not so diverse. So we need to relook look at what uh, uh, was there to increase the services and sustainability of our ecosystems, protection of the landscapes, you go to a place where it was a slope, it's no longer a slope, it's only um, stones left and the soil went, you look at the rivers, they are so brown when just a little rain rains. Uh, you go to what was a wet land is no longer wet, and so on and so forth, so that then we go back in terms of policy. What can we uh, do on some particular land for what purpose? Then into the practice and the technologies, what plants do we need to reintroduce? How and for what purpose? So that again, we support any other development agenda because it's all about life. Uh, what other uses of the trees can we exploit? Um, there was harvesting of gums, the, you know, the honey, and so on and so forth, which are forgotten. Some trees are also medicinal. Uh, we, we look for them even in the Kakamega forest. You go there, you don't find it, and so on and so forth. So then um, uh, we have to work together, integrate everybody, and realize this is our planet, and the hard it began for us to survive. Um, We may not see the years we think we will see there the way we see them today. Uh, We will go into underground water, it's not the best because of salts and so on and so forth. And you wonder how sustainable is it at the end because we are encouraging a lot of runoff to the ocean other than seepage and so on and so forth so mine is we work together all the uh, stakeholders from farming consumption building construction everything else so that then we have a better planet for us to live in
0: yes. thank you very much i really enjoyed this discussion and i learned a lot about forest and coffee production and you know the gaps and the challenges we're facing but i think um, just to wrap it up I think it's education is the main, uh, you know, the core tool here, because even like when you see this development and people growing, buying land, tracts of land, but they don't know what to grow and what belongs to the soil, so I think there has to be some massive, you know, like education countrywide, explaining what trees belong to what areas or what, what better crops should be planted here, so even if everyone's doing private sector individually, we're not messing up the soil because of ignorance, yeah, just because we don't know. You know. So if we're doing it and everyone wants to green, but I think we need to know more but how we're greening and what we're greening you know our city with and uh, and our country yes yeah thank you Thank you very much yeah, thank, you. Thank, thank, you. Thank, you. thank you thank you so
1: much.